Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Sunday night as we just got done watching uh, a, a kind of an atrocity of a game, if, I, if I'm if I'm not really mistaken here. Uh, the Nuggets, they knew that they needed to lose this game if they were going to avoid the Los Angeles Lakers, and they didn't really have anything to play for otherwise other than pride. And lose they did other than starting their, their normal starters, uh, barring guys that are already injured. Uh, they came out in this game and sort of laid an egg, but it wasn't really about the, the win or the loss in this game. The Nuggets are going to be the three seed in the playoffs. Uh, they are going to face the number six seed Portland Trailblazers. So they're going to face this team again in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum, Yusuf Nurkic, it's going to be a very fascinating series. And to help me break that down, to help me break down the East and West playoff picture, I have with me a uh, lead writer for the Nuggets and, and for the Denver Stiffs, uh, my personal blog and the, the blog that I run. Uh, Gage Bridgeford is with, with me today to help break things down. Gage, how are you, sir? Uh, what did you make of this, this game tonight? I'm doing well, Ryan. Glad to be here. Uh, happy to be on the uh, pickaxe and roll for the first time, I believe. And this game, very quickly, I saw that it was not going to tell me anything that I didn't already know um, because Denver was just not playing like they, they like you said, they did, didn't have anything to lose here. This game was just go out and play, suit up, try not to get hurt. And that's exactly what they did. They got out. They got out alive in terms of there was no injuries sustained, at least no major ones that I saw. Um, and the, the it's just going to it's just a refresher to kind of keep their engine going for the next week. I mean, they got a week off here with the uh, play-in tournament going on. So there's nothing to ta- to gather from this. I think that the Blazers shot way better than they could have been expected to. They shot 41% or basically 42, 41.9. And I think that that number is even like slightly deflated because of some garbage time threes that didn't fall. Harry Giles, CJ, Ellaby, and Derek Jones Jr. went a combined 0 for 5. That's going to pull down your average from instead of 18 sure. for 38, 18 to 40 for 43. So I think that the Blazers are a great three-point shooting team, but I don't think they're going to shoot 41% uh, in the, throughout the postseason. They're just not. I think that the Nuggets had the guards to – at least bother them a little more than they did tonight. And I think that you can tell that that was not exactly the game plan to get really up on Lillard McCollum throughout the evening. Yeah. And it definitely wasn't a, uh, it wasn't Denver's finest defensive performance. We'll just, we'll just say that off the bat. Like this, this wasn't a high effort game and it wasn't a high effort game from the start. Uh, Portland, they dropped 43 points in that first quarter. Uh, Denver scores 22. They Portland nearly doubles them up and, uh, and it, it certainly felt like uh, the Blazers, they had something to play for and the Nuggets really didn't. And that that's, I think, kind of the story of this one in particular. Uh, Lillard, McCollum, Powell, uh, those three guys are pretty impressive. And, and the way that they scored, uh, the way that they went off the dribble with a lot of their baskets and the way that the offense sort of created for them, I thought it was pretty interesting because this is a different Portland team than the Nuggets have faced in, in years past. And we're going to get into the matchup and, and all of that, but uh, did you did you notice that with the added firepower from their starting unit that it, it just looks like they've completely remade their team? Uh, yes and no. The main, I mean, the main thing I have noticed from this Portland team over the Portland teams of years past is Lillard as a distributor. Uh, I think it was his sixth straight season with 500 assists or 500 or more assists in his career, uh, which is a Portland record. 
He had 10 on the night, so 22 and 10, so double-double out of him. Uh, he only took 13 shots, which um, they had one, two, three, four, four different guys who attempted 10 or more shots. Norman Powell was five of nine, so he was right there as well. Sure. And seeing Lillard distribute and get everybody else involved is something that I know, uh, like that's a lot of basketball purists and old school basketball people really like, cause that's the whole point of the point guard is get everybody involved. That's never been Lillard's game is he Lillard's going to get you shots by just how dominant he is. And that's basically what he did tonight. I just, like I said, I don't draw too much from this game because this Portland team is, has been one of the hottest in basketball over the last couple of weeks. Um, and I've just, I see a team that can cut you up with with their passing, especially um, if Lillard if if they're hitting their shots as well. Because if McCollum and Powell are hitting, it's going to cause problems because you can't sag off of you can't sag off of them as much as you might normally. Because there have been times where guys like Powell, McCollum, Robert Covington was ice cold tonight. Went 0 of four, one or 0 of four from three, one of five overall. Sure. If if those guys are cold it's going to cause a problem, but Lillard is just so microwave white hot himself that if he just hits one or two, you immediately have to give him extra attention, which then opens up everything for everybody else. Kind of like when Jokic really takes over a game for Denver, when he takes over, you have to send extra attention his way, which then makes everybody else's life easier. So that is the main thing I've noticed with this Portland team this year is when Lillard, like Lillard can get anybody involved at any time. He's not going to go and put up 10 assists every single night, but he also he can do that. He uh, he has definitely added that to his game. Uh, the assists keep going up for him, especially as teams just keep sending more and more help. And the Nuggets they did that a lot tonight. They doubled Lillard on several occasions, uh, sent their their two on ball scheme, and he got the ball to Yusuf Nurkic and Inez Cantor on the roll pretty consistently. Uh, those guys had pretty good games, especially just working off of what Lillard was doing. Uh, Cantor didn't miss a shot tonight. He went 14, 14 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, Nurkic went 20 points and 13 rebounds. That's going to be tough, and Denver's going to have to figure that out. They're going to have to uh, figure out their rotations, and how, that'll probably it, – it's it's going to be interesting to see how, how this ultimate playoff matchup goes. But uh, instead of talking about that, we'll save that for the third segment. Uh, Jokic was trying tonight. There's, there's no question about that. A nine of 17 from the field. He got up 17 shots in 17 minutes, uh, 21 points, three, three rebounds, two assists, kind of a light box score night for him other than the shots, but it was still pretty interesting to see. He was clearly trying out there, right? Yeah. I mean, he was, I mean, that's just, he, that's his whole thing. That's there's no quit in Jokic every single night. He's going to go out and he's going to try. And I know that he talked about it against, I believe it was the the Detroit game the other night. He said, if I'm healthy, I'm going to play. That's what I'm supposed to do. And he takes that more seriously than I think any other player of his caliber because Jokic is a superstar. There are a lot of superstars who I'm pretty sure in like would have taken tonight off. I know Portland took or uh, not Portland, Philly that I know they, their stars took the night off and they were healthy. Jokic doesn't do that. He could have very easily said, look, we have nothing to gain by winning this game. Let's just go out and I'm just going to take the night off. I played every single game this year. I'm not going to play, but instead he goes out, plays 17 minutes. He put up 17 shots. He was the only, he was one of two players that got up more than eight shots on or nine shots on the night. And the other one was Marcus Howard who had 17 shots himself. So <laughs> Marcus Howard had a lot of shots, man. That was, Marcus that was one of my other like, big I've been, I've been sitting on the bench too long. I'm going to go ahead and start chucking them. And Jokic was, <laughs> Jokic was doing everything he could while he was out there. I saw a couple of people saying that Nurkic was outperforming Jokic tonight. And I was like, all right, go ahead and keep, keep telling yourself that. I mean, he's the Jokic has dominated this matchup historically, but sure. Jokic is just a special player and it's fun to watch him play because even when in a game that doesn't matter, he's just, he makes things look so easy at times. He truly does. Uh, it was probably difficult for him tonight uh, because the, the guys around him didn't exactly bring it. Uh, Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, Aaron Gordon, Michael Porter, none of them get into double figures tonight. Michael Porter was the closest. He had nine points, three of eight from the field, three of six from three. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that dynamic continues to develop because Porter over these last two games hasn't been great, 
Uh, he got the shots off from three that he needed, but Denver, they, they didn't get him a ton of looks. So a lot of those looks went to Faku and, and Austin rivers and Aaron Gordon. And uh, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of excitement from them. They, they combined to go three of 12 from the field today. Uh, we'll see how, and Portland, like, look, Portland was trying really hard on defense. They, they wanted to make sure that they won this game to stay out of the play in the Lakers as a result are going to be in the play in tournaments and the, and Portland, they get to avoid that. So they get a, a week off and they had, they wanted to work for that. This was something that Damian Lillard said. He wanted uh, that. This was the most important game of Portland season was, was coming up for this one. And they had two days off to prepare. They knew exactly what they needed to do. And they, and they executed their game plan really well. Um, but yeah, we're, we're going to see, we're going to see how Denver ultimately deals with that. Uh, I don't really have just, I just don't have a ton of takeaways from this. It was good to see that Paul Millsatch and Michael Green, they hit their threes tonight. Uh, the defense wasn't great with those guys, but it's, uh, it's, it's hard to defend it as cancer. Uh, do you have any takeaways from the bench or, or from Porter at this point? No, I don't. Um, like I said, I'm not drawing too much from this game. I think that Porter not getting a lot of shots up tonight isn't a concern to me. I'm not, this is a game where I'm not taking anything from it. And I think that anybody that takes any, has any serious takeaways from this game is, I don't know what game you were watching. I saw, I saw a team in Denver who knew that they, that there was no benefit to them winning. They were going out, keeping the rust off, just trying not to get hurt. That's what they did. And I said, I said in our Denver steps group chat that I thought the starters played too much, even like, Jokic came out and played, he played 16 minutes or 17 minutes. Porter played 16 I, I didn't understand the point of them playing that much, but then again, I'm not the coach. So I have no s- serious draws from this game. I thought that Jermichael Green hitting, th- going three or four from three, that's a good thing to see because he's been ice cold for a little while. Zeke Naji getting some run, two of two and two of two from three-point range, had six points, five rebounds. I like to see that because I think that he is a solid member of this rotation. Um, there, but I don't have any real draws from it because I understand that I have to take this game with a grain of salt. Everything that happened here was, was half speed. So I'm not taking anything with a a ton of confidence that, Oh, this is a trend that's going to happen. Porter's only going to have eight shots next week. No, Michael Porter Jr. is going to put up 12 shots in the first half. Okay. That's a lie. He's going to put up 12 shots by the end of the third quarter in the first game. So I'm not, I'm not super concerned about Porter getting frozen out of the rotation or anything like that. Yeah, no, he's he's going to be fine. They're going to continue to try to find ways to get him going, especially because if, if Will Barton's not back, if P.J. Dozier isn't back, then Denver's going to have to figure it out. They're going to have to find ways to navigate that with their starting group. So, uh, look, everybody came out of this game healthy from the looks of it. At this point, who cares? Denver got a good matchup in the playoffs. They're not going to face the Lakers. They're going to face the Portland Trailblazers. And so we're going to let's take a break. You know, when, when we come back, we are going to talk about the playoffs and the playoffs picture in the Eastern Conference and Western Conference. But first, I'm going to do a read here. This this podcast is sponsored by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. It is playoff time. There are big stakes, bigger promotions. It's time to hammer the over and score some cash. DraftKings is giving you a chance to, to lower the over-under on a featured playoff game. All players who place a bet on the featured basketball game will have a hand in lowering the over under on said game. That's right. For every fifth or for every 1500 players who bet the over on a select game, the over under will drop by one point. So basically what DraftKings is doing here is that when people hammer the over, when people hammer the under, they are going to try to lower that line. So it meets your, uh, so it meets your needs, the odds, they're going to remain at even money. That's right. You can double your money by just hammering the over in this next game that you want to bet. DraftKings, they are safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. And every better, you can you can make sure to feed on that featured game on DraftKings. As long as you're a new user, make sure to download this app, and you can absolutely make some big cash here. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you sign up to hammer the over. For every 1,500 people that bet the over in the featured game, the line will decrease by one point. Yes, this is your chance to improve the odds of the over hitting, so tell your friends and family. That's promo code MHS for a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. The max is a $25 wager, one per customer. Offer ends 5-23-21. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. back pickaxe and roll ryan blackburn here thank you so much for tuning in uh joined today by gage bridgeford at g bridgeford nfl on twitter uh we still got to get that tag changed for you man if you're gonna gonna be a lead writer for for the denver nuggets and doing a great and fantastic job by the way because if you uh if you follow gage you know that he does film friday every friday for us over at denver stiffs this last one was excellent as usual uh, so make sure to go follow him, especially as the playoffs roll around, because this is going to be an important time to to stay up to date on Nuggets content. Uh, but hey, Gage, we have a, we have a playoff time here. Uh, we have a a fully fully set playoff picture in both the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference. So I'm going to run through both conferences, and we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about different different questions that we have about each of those, and. If you're ready, then we will get going. You good? Yeah, let's get after it. Uh, and also, I can't, I can't change the tag, man. I covered the NFL and the NBA. I can't just, <laughs> well, I can't just put G Bridgeford Sports. That's not going to do anything. At least the NFL, like when people search NFL, I might pop up higher. That's, that's all it is, man. Come on now. Oh, good. I think you should do a G Bridgeford NFL and NBA. In, yeah, in I gotta time. get. Yeah, okay. I gotta. I just gotta make a really long one. Great. I'm just gonna have to go change my links everywhere. Do it. I, I, I love it. Um. All right, Eastern Conference here. This was a a very straightforward one uh, for today. As long as we knew, like, okay, was Washington going to be the eight seed? Is Charlotte going to be the eight seed? That was the only real uh, question heading into the day. And uh, it looks like, so I'm going to run through a one to 10 here. Philly is in the one seed. Brooklyn, two seed. Milwaukee, three seed. New York Knicks are the four seed. Hallelujah. Uh, Atlanta is the five. Miami is the six. Boston is the seven. Washington is the eight. Indiana is the nine. And Charlotte is the 10. So in the first round in that play-in tournament, you've got Boston going up against Washington in that seven-eight matchup. The loser of that is going to face the winner of Indiana and Charlotte. And those uh, whoever wins that particular game will be the eight seed in the East. So I have a big, big question for you. Are you going to watch any of those play-in games on the Eastern Conference side? <laughs> Am I going to watch them? No. Yeah. Am I going to track who wins? Yeah, because I so badly want to watch Russell Westbrook just be angry at James Harden and Kevin Durant for a, for a series. Oh, that would be fun. Tell Boston, me the Wizards don't win that game uh, it's, against, against uh, Boston. Against against Boston, like Boston looks awful. They've they've looked awful for several weeks now, but it has gotten to a really dark place for them. Uh, Jalen Brown went out for the season, by the sound of it. Uh, Marcus Smart, Evan Fournier, Kemba Walker, those guys are kind of in and out of the rotation right now with injuries. Uh, the only one is is uh, Jason Tatum, who's <laughs> he has to carry a very heavy load for a really bad team. Uh, I do not think highly of Boston. Yeah, no, I don't either. I don't see I this Boston team. Like I listen to the Bill Simmons podcast a lot and obviously he's a Boston guy. So I hear him talk about Boston a lot. And he says, he says it very, very straightforward. This team doesn't have any edge. There's, there's no edge to it. And they just, they're, they're soft for lack of a better term. Like congrats. You guys have made it to the NBA. Obviously you're way better athletes than me. Y'all have more money than me for the rest of the time. Congratulations. Awesome. But there's just no edge here. When this team gets punched in the mouth, there's no, like, I'm going to, I'm going to punch you back. There's there's that's not here. And I don't know what it's going to, what it's going to take for this team to really take that next step. Um, I think Bradley Beal's even going to be back for the for Washington for the play-in game against Boston. I, he was back today. Uh, he he played against Charlotte today. He looked pretty hampered, but he was back and playing. Okay, and then so I then I think that I mean, I think he'll at least play on Tuesday. I think that they yeah. could win. I think they could win without him, but but that's just because Russ is 
a freak of nature at times. And like, there's just the way that he plays basketball, you may not like some, you may not like his mannerisms or certain things about him, but Russ is just entertaining to watch. He is entertaining basketball because the guy is just at the age that he is playing the way that he does. I know all of us thought he was going to fall off a cliff before now. He continues to do the same things. He still flies to the rim and tries to rip it out of the backboard every single time he dunks it. He still can't necessarily shoot jumpers very well. That's okay because he's going to go grab 17 rebounds as a guard and then whip out 20 assists to people, and he'd probably average 40 assists a night if his teammates could hit shots as much as he was hitting them with passes. So I think that Washington's going to win that game. And then the Pacers-Hornets matchup, I live in Indiana, for those that don't know, and I don't think that the Pacers are going to win that game. I I think that the Hornets are going to win that just because they're younger. Like, they got, like they're younger, they're fun, they push, they like to push the pace, the Pacers try to, and they had the whole turmoil of coaches going to be out after one season, and coaches and players fighting each other, and just all sorts of wild stuff happening. So in terms of the playing games, I'm thinking Wizards win, and then I think the Hornets win. And you could... I, I wouldn't be stunned if the Hornets beat the Celtics. I think the Celtics ultimately win, but I, I could see a case for Charlotte winning. I absolutely could too. And and Charlotte has been, they've been sliding a little bit of late, but they, to me, they're, they're healthier than where the Celtics are right now. And Jason Tatum going up against just the, just the Hornets by themselves. If that were the case, that would be a big question mark for sure. Uh, I, I just, it just seems it seems very boring in on that side of the bracket to be clear. And, and I like the idea of Washington winning or, or even if they lose and, and they, and they are in the eighth seed instead and they go up against Philly, that would be a fun and entertaining series too, because then you've got Bradley Beal and, and going up against Ben Simmons and Russell Westbrook yelling at Joel Embiid. It would be great. That would be a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, Hey, I mean, I, I, I won't say no to Russell Westbrook versus Kevin Durant again. That'll be fun. I, th- I think Wizards Nets. I would just bet the over in every single game. Like I, I, <laughs> I would. Ta- I don't care what the over would be or the over under would be. I would take it every time, just because these two teams are just going to put up a ton of points and play no defense. And I would have a lot of fun watching that. That would be a series on the East that I would be like, I'm going to watch as many games of that as possible because that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh. Which of those series in the three, six, or four, or five stand out to you? It's either Milwaukee and Miami or New York and Atlanta. Both of them are intriguing in their own way. Obviously, Milwaukee was knocked out of the playoffs last year by the Heat, and the Knicks and Hawks have been bad for years, and they are yeah. now here. I the Bucks are the Bucks Heat matchup is interesting because Tyler Harrow. I don't know if you saw he got fallen on with 50 seconds left in the game tonight when they the heat were already winning big i think they went on to win by 13 points and the game wasn't even really that close so that's why you tank that's why you tank man so so tyler harrow gets (laughs) tyler harrow gets hurt in the late in the late in the game i don't know how serious that injury is going to be and but for the for the heat they have bam Adebayo who can hang around the rim he's one of the few bigs who can not necessarily go stride for stride with Giannis because obviously Giannis is a six eleven freak with his ability to run as fast as he can run run as fast as he does. But they sh- they shut down Milwaukee last year by putting building a wall around the paint and saying, "All right, if you hit your shots against us, great. That's how you beat us. But we're not going to just let Giannis romp to the rim and go fifteen of twenty every single night." So that was intriguing for that aspect. And then the Knicks Hawks one is intriguing because. The Hawks are the Knicks are the team that everyone thought coming into the year. Oh, Knicks are going to be bad again. Yada yada. Then they went on forty one. They're forty one and thirty one. Hawks. Everyone thought oh they're bad, and then they were bad for a while. And then Nate McMillan comes in, and then they've just been quietly one of the best teams in the NBA over that stretch. I don't know their official record under Nate McMillan this year, but I know that he, Nate McMillan has been very good to them. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up really quick. Uh, cause I'm pretty sure they're like at least, t- at least 10 games over 500 with Nate McMillan as the head coach, so, which is 26 and 11 is what they are with Nate McMillan as the head coach this year. And that doesn't even wow. count. The, that doesn't even count. Cause they won, they won tonight. So they are 27 and 11 with Nate McMillan as the head coach this season. 
It's incredible. That is incredible. And and they've had a major turnaround. They haven't even had DeAndre Hunter for most of the year, and Cam Reddish has been out too. So it, it's good to see them kind of riding the ship a little bit. Bogdan Bogdanovic, uh, Serbian, uh, Jokic would would definitely appreciate the season that he's having. Uh, so that that'll be interesting. I, I think that Milwaukee is probably going to beat Miami, but it wouldn't surprise me if if they didn't face down those demons and and just sort of struggled in that particular matchup. Uh, but I, it'll be interesting. Moving over, actually, here if you had to pick one, real quick, Philly, Brooklyn, Milwaukee, who would you pick to come out of the the East and why? Who would I pick to come out of the East and why? Do I have a fully healthy team? Like, does anybody sustain any injuries throughout the stretch? Nobody sustains any injuries. Brooklyn. You, okay. I, they have three legitimate superstars on their roster. And then they have Blake Griffin has made everybody in Detroit look foolish because everyone's like, oh, Blake's washed. He's, he's terrible. Yeah. And then he's now been, he's been very good for them. He turned back the clock against Denver a week ago and made all of us look stupid because he was hitting threes. He could dunk again. He Bruce Brown is one of the most unsung heroes in the game of basketball. And if like, he's been so good for, for Brooklyn this year. And he goes so under the radar because of the stars uh, that he plays next to and because of Blake Griffin and because of Joe Harris on the bench, Bruce Brown is so good. And I think that if everybody stays fully healthy across all of the teams here, I have to go with Brooklyn. There's just too much firepower there. It's it's hard not to agree with you. Uh, it's just it's 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 really hard not to agree with you. Like I I think that Brooklyn is just incredible. They have a lot of the great role players, like you're talking about. Uh, Joe Harris is very underappreciated, and just the way that he shoots the ball, uh, he he may be the best shooter on that team. Probably is the best shooter on that team. A team that features Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. So it is incredible. Uh, they they are probably going to come out of the East if if I had to bet right now, uh, but they probably like they, if if Milwaukee comes out of that game against uh, against Miami, against that series against Miami, then a Brooklyn Milwaukee series is going to be so interesting. Uh, Giannis matching up with Durant, Drew Holiday matching up with uh, with James Harden or Kyrie Irving, one of the two. Uh, they're just a lot of fascinating like. Uh, schematic things that are going to happen. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Let's transition over to the West now, uh, what everybody really wants to hear. We've got Utah at one. They clinched today. Phoenix is at two. Denver's at three. The Clippers are at four. They tanked today against the Oklahoma City Thunder somehow, and they, they really did it. That was pretty impressive. Uh, Dallas at five. Portland at six, who Denver will be facing. The Lakers drop to the play-in tournament at seven. They will face the Golden State Warriors at eight. Memphis is at nine after losing to Golden State earlier today. And San Antonio is at 10. Memphis and San Antonio will face each other. First question to you, uh, will the Lakers-Warriors game be the most viewed game of the postseason, yes or no? No, because I think that one of these series in one of the rounds will have a game seven that draws a lot of intrigue. I think that the Brooklyn Nets uh, will, if the Brooklyn Nets go into any game seven, that's going to be the most watched game in postseason. Unless there's like, unless they're not in the finals and the finals game goes to a game seven, then I guess that would probably win out. But the Brooklyn Nets, if they go to a game seven at any point, that game is just going to have it because all eyes are going to be for the last five minutes. Who's taking the shot. We have Kyrie Durant and Harden have all been the guy who's going to be the guy of guys in that game. But the Warriors Lakers game will, will man, that's going to have a lot of eyes on it. It's going to have a lot it's gonna of be, eyes. It's going to be very interesting. And there's just a lot of fun storylines and, and, and some, some very interesting things that I think people are going to be talking about. Uh, I've been really impressed with Andrew Wiggins which is not something that I ever thought I would say uh, he is probably going to match up with LeBron James in that, in that particular game. And Draymond green will match up with Anthony Davis. And that is going to be a lot of fun. That is going to be very interesting. It's a switchable matchup. Those guys have been very good. Kevon Looney on the back, on the back line should be pretty good. And then you've got Steph just raining hellfire on the offensive end of the floor and nobody on the Lakers is going to be able to stop him. They're not going to be able to keep up with them. So I think there is a very real scenario where the Lakers lose that game 
there's also a very real scenario where the Lakers blow out the Warriors by 30. Uh, it could go either direction, and I think there's going to provide a lot of intrigue for that for sure. Nuggets fans, you want the Warriors to win that game, and here's why. The Nuggets are a 3-6. If they are lucky enough to win and then they advance beyond the Portland Trailblazers in the first round, they would face the winner of the 2-7 game. Right now, that's Phoenix and whoever wins this 7-8 matchup. If the Warriors win it, I think the Suns are more likely to advance. If the Lakers win it, I think the Lakers are more likely to advance. I think that if you're the Nuggets and you could potentially put Utah, the Clippers, and the Lakers all on one side of the bracket so they they all can try to beat each other up, you've got a really, really great path to the Western Conference Finals if you can just survive this game against this series against Portland. Uh, anything in what I said, do you disagree with it at all? No, I don't. Um, I think that it'll be really interesting to see how they defend the Warriors tomorrow. Speaking about the like, or on Wednesday, speaking about the sure. Lakers, sure, they could do. They could go one of two ways. They could send, they could send all of their guys at Steph and just try and wear them out, or they could say, you know what, Steph, go ahead, score fifty. We don't care. No one else is going to score because are you afraid of anybody else scoring for for them? Like, uh, no, Andrew Wiggins has been playing well. <laughs> I, but, but okay, so so Andrew Wiggins is playing well. That's fine. We'll go ahead and we'll go. We can guard We can guard Wiggins. Shutting down Andrew Wiggins is a lot easier than shutting down Steph Curry. I agree. Agreed? Oh, yeah. So it, you can very easily go with the – go ahead, Steph. Congrats. Score 80 points. We don't really care because no one else is going to score. And so I, so, I I mean, if I was Frank Vogel – that's probably what I would do. I would say it, you live and die by Steph because that's how Golden State has been all year is they live with Steph, they die with Steph, and if Steph has an off night, they're done for regardless. And if you can make him have an off night be, like, while he's still – while sending minimal help at him, I think that that's, that's the ultimate way to do it because if, he's, if he gets hot, he's going to keep you in a game. So if you're sending extra help at him and he's still chucking 30-footers and knocking him down because he is the greatest shooter – that has ever lived there's then then you're done for because he can put up those shots and then he can also find people why because you're sending three people at him and he can hit that shot or he can find somebody else so if it's me i'm giving the go ahead score let steph cook and we'll cover everybody else and we'll just deal with it because i don't think that like draymond green's fine kevin looney's fine andrew wiggins fine but i don't see a path to lebron losing this game i think that this is one of those games where LeBron just says, all right, we're not going to the, we're not going to play a second game. We're going to go win this now and we will and we'll deal with whatever path we end up with. Well, he did just say to reporters that if, if he had a vote, then Steph Curry would be his MVP this year. So definitely, uh, definitely trying to avoid giving uh, some bulletin board material in that particular game. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's giving him all the credit, all the roses, all the flowers. He, he knows how this game works. So should be very well, I mean very that's just he's recruiting Curry. That's all that is, man. Haven't you seen the rumors <laughs> that it's just he's trying to get Steph Curry? That's why he picked him for the All-Star game. That's why he mm-hmm. has been super nice to him and all this other stuff. And he doesn't want the play-in game. Why? Not cuz the Lakers are in it. He doesn't want the Warriors to have to play in, man. He he that's all this is. Curry to the Lakers 2022. What are we going to do? Like it's, it's confirmed. <laughs> Confirm it now. It's locked confirmed. in. Uh aggregators definitely aggregate me on that one. Uh, so that should be funny. Uh, okay. What other questions do we have here outside of the, uh, the perspective of nuggets blazer series, do any of those other series stand out to you? Uh, like, so if, if the Clippers are going to face Dallas in the four or five Phoenix is probably like, if, if the Lakers play, then Phoenix will play the Lakers in the two seven and Utah will probably play golden state in the one eight, which of those series stands out to you outside of Denver, Portland. The uh, Mavericks Clippers pretty easily. Interesting. Um, okay. Uh, because if Phoenix and LA play each other, that one's the, the main intrigue for that for me is the Chris Paul, like in LeBron James, obviously they're banana boat buddies, they're best friends, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think that the Suns are quite there. I don't think they're ready to take that next step. I love this Phoenix team, but I don't think they're ready to take that next step versus the, but if I look at that four or five matchup, I got Clippers, Mavericks. 
these two teams specifically, like the Clippers are actually, there's really three teams in this matchup because there's Clipper A team and there's Clipper B team. The Clipper A team <laughs> is is one arguably the best team in the NBA. The Clipper yep. B team is this is Hyde who on any given night just disappears and or just shows up, rears his ugly head, and you have no idea what this team is doing. They look like they've never played basketball. They can't play together. They have, they just have no chemistry at all. Dallas is just a team that they know who they are. They play their game every single night. It doesn't matter who the matchup is. They're going to play the exact same way every single time. And they, the Mavericks have given the Clippers fits at times. And I think that that is the most intriguing series because maybe now with Porzingis finally healthy, we can either say Porzingis is good or Porzingis is bad. Porzingis could like he's because that's been the whole thing. Oh, he's not healthy. That's the only reason he's not doing well. Well, guess what? Now he's healthy. Now you're in the playoffs. Go do something. Either you go do something. It's put up or shut up time. So that's the most intriguing series for me because I think I could easily see that series going all seven games in the first round just because of how inconsistent the Clippers are. It's going to be fascinating to see which version of the Clippers we get. Because like you said, there is an A version and there is a B version. And the Nuggets have seen both of them. They, they know what the Clippers can do, and they also know what they can't do at times. Uh, so can Luka do what Jokic did in, in the playoffs last year? I, I don't know. Uh, he had his first opportunity last year, but that was his first time in the playoffs before. And he still played great. Don't get me wrong, but uh, they're, they're going to need some help. And, and if Chris Tapps can give it to him, if Tim Hardaway can give it, if Jalen Brunson can do some stuff, then then maybe they could upset. I would still probably pick the Clippers as, as most people probably would, but I, I would love to see Luca just be the best player in that series. That'll be a lot of fun. I mean, um, Luca already is the best player in that series. At least that's oh, you think what, so? like, I mean, no, I don't think he's the best player in that series. I think he's, I think he's the second best player in that series. I think he's better than Paul George. Yes. I don't think he's better than Kawhi. I just I, like the people that sit here and tout superstars. And we've had this argument all year long with the, Jokic isn't the MVP. He's only the MVP because he's been healthy and all this other stuff. Sure. And we've, I, I know we've all talked that horse to death. I don't need to bring it up too much here, but like there, I know there's people that legitimately think Luca is the best player in the NBA. I know there's people that legitimately believe that. I don't, I don't believe that. I don't know what basketball you're watching, but I think that Luca's the second best player in that series. And I think if, Kawhi has an off series. He could easily be the best guy. He could come out if he, cause would you be stunned if that end of that series, Luca averaged 28, eight and eight, and he shot 40% from the, from three point, from three point land. He shot 48% from the floor, shot 90% from the line. Would you be stunned if that happened? I would of course not be stunned if that happened. That would be, that would be just basically what he averages. And and the, with, with the way that he played the Clippers before, I, I think that he can navigate that, and it's it's going to be interesting to see whether enough guys can give him help. But I do think it's possible. Yeah, exactly. So that's just why, like I say, that he he is the best player in the series. I say it sarcastically, but at the same time, Luca can be the best player in this series, and it, and it would shock any of us. If anything, the whole like that series isn't going to come down to what Luca can do. It's going to come down to what, like I said, Porzingis and then Jalen Brunson and the and Josh Richardson, just the rest of that team could do because. If those guys can hit shots around Luca, this Dallas team is a very, very scary group because then you give Luca the ability to get inside. I looked at it for my phone Friday piece. Luca is a Luca, Luca against Denver is nuts. He averages like 10 free throws per game this year. And yeah. in his career, he averages like 9.4 free throw attempts per game. And his ability to pass out from inside is just makes him so scary that when he's driving you you can't get too close to him because he's gonna draw a foul. It's gonna happen. And if you and if he doesn't put up a shot and get fouled, he's gonna kick it out to a shooter. And if that if those shots are falling outside, this Dallas team is a team that could easily upset a couple of teams. I'm looking forward to it, man. Uh if you had to make a pick on on who's coming out of the West right now, it's it feels pretty open, but it may not be. Who who would you pick and why? And let's see. So I'm thinking that the Lakers win against golden state. And okay. then I, th- and I think golden state beats Memphis. Cause I think Memphis beats San Antonio. So now we got jazz warriors, Suns, Lakers, nuggets, blazers, Clippers, Mavericks. Yep. I want to say that I want to say Denver. I do, but that's all bias. I know that I don't think Denver makes it out. And for the people who are like, what, what do you mean? You're a Denver guy. 
this team's too beat up and they're beat up at the wrong time and they're beat up all at one spot. You're missing all of your top guards. Yes, I understand Facundo Campazzo is still there, but no one else is. P.J. Dozier's out. Will Barton's still out. Jamal Murray, obviously, out for the year. Monte Morris is still banked up. He's he's playing, but he's, he's still dealing with a nagging injury that at soft tissue injury can rear its ugly head at any second. Right. You have Austin when you have Austin Rivers and Shaq Harrison playing critical minutes for you, that's not a great spot to be. So while I want to say Denver, I can't do it. I don't think the Clippers do it because I don't think they can hold it together for three full series. I'm not sold on the Jazz. I just, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is about this Jazz team, but I cannot wrap my head around it. They've hit 10 threes in every single game this season, which for those of you that didn't know, yeah, 72 games, they hit 10 plus threes in every single game. No team's ever done that, fun fact. I'm not sold on the Jazz, <laughs> but I think they beat the Warriors. Ultimately, I I have to, I go with the Lakers. I think the Lakers can beat the Suns, and then the Lakers get to play against either De- play Denver or Portland, whoever comes out there. I think that Lakers win that matchup, unless like Portland beats Denver, and then Portland just gets really hot for a series. But I still pick Lakers, and then I think right. the Lakers beat whoever's left, but in the re- in the other half of the bracket between the Jazz and the Clippers. I go, I go with the Lakers and it all comes down. They're also healthy at the right time. Yep. And it uh, it definitely like, like people have talked about how, Oh, the Lakers, they've been so troubled this year. Like, like there, there's just so much, there's so much wrong. Like, like they've had to deal with so much strife this year and so much drama. No, they got LeBron James and Anthony Davis and they're both healthy at the right time. What are we talking about? Like this? Yeah. yeah, They're all healthy at the right time. That's the huge key. Kyle Kuzma played tonight. Like of all their guys that are injured, it's Alex Caruso, Anthony Davis, Marcus, LeBron, Kyle Kuzma, Alfonso McKinney. Obviously Alfonso McKinney is the one that you're like, whatever, but Kuzma, LeBron, I'm pretty sure Gasol. I did. Cause I didn't watch that game tonight. Davis Caruso, the rest of them all played. They're all yep. healthy at the right time. Sometimes it's not about being healthy throughout the year. It's just about being healthy at the right time. And that's what they have. Utah also has stayed scarily healthy all year long. Other than Donovan Mitchell, they haven't really dealt with any major injuries this season. That doesn't happen. L- luck runs out. And, and everyone's like, oh, it's not luck. It's just training staff. No, health is luck, man. It's as simple as going up for a layup and then you land on a guy's foot and then you roll your ankle and it, you have a high ankle sprain and you're out for six weeks. It's one small, simple thing like that. And the Lakers right now are healthy after they have not been all season long. So that's why I'm looking at this as the Lakers is the team, are the team I'm picking strictly because they have all the talent. And if they had been healthy all year, they definitely wouldn't be a seven seed. They're the team I'm picking because I think that they're just the most talented team. And, and, and like you said, look, look, everything's going to line up for them, despite the fact that they're in the play in, uh, if 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 they lose that game, then maybe things change. Maybe their route changes a little bit. But if they win it, then they're they're still in a really good spot. So it is what it is. Uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if the Suns can give them any trouble at that point. But uh, I, I would probably pick the Lakers as well. And and it's it's painful, but it's too bad. So Lakers and Nets, man. Like that's uh, that's probably what we're gonna see. Yeah, as long as health as long as health happens, that's what we're gonna see. I mean. Just like I said, that's why I asked earlier on the East side of things. If the because if the Nets stay healthy, I just don't see any team that can stick up to their firepower. And with the Lakers, same thing. They're the most most talented team on this side of the bracket. Like it's them and the Clippers are the top two most talented teams. And I just think that the Lakers, when fully healthy, are more consistent. And that's all it comes down to. Let's take a final break. When we come back, we're going to do a brief preview of the Blazers and Nuggets. Uh, This won't be in depth because we've got plenty of time, but we are just going to take a quick look at it. We'll be right back. Pickaxe and Roll, final segment here. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Joined by Gage Bridgeford of Denver Stiff. So make sure to go follow his work, uh, both on Twitter. He does some NFL work as well. Uh, make sure to go follow him and, and keep track and keep up to date on everything that's going on. Uh, okay, so we're going to briefly preview uh, this game, this matchup between the Blazers and the Nuggets and the 3-6 
on on the playoffs that's upcoming we haven't seen a schedule drop just yet so we can't tell you when those games are going to show up but my belief is that they are going to probably happen like game one in denver is probably going to happen either saturday or sunday of of this coming week so we will see and and if that if that bears out then great but that is when people can expect it they'll probably go every other day and then they might get an extra day when when these two teams are traveling. So that is probably what it's going to look like. A couple games in Denver, a couple games in Portland, of course. Uh, but that is that's where we're going to start. Uh, the Nuggets they won their first two matchups against Portland, uh, but they were a lot healthier for those games. Uh, what stands out to you, uh, Gage, as the key for Denver that if they are going to beat Portland, they have to do this one thing. What stands out? Guard defense. That's that's all. That's that is the number one thing. Guarding Powell, McCollum, and Lillard is priority one A, one B, one C. That's okay. At the end of the day, if you can't guard the guards, it doesn't matter what the rest of your team does. If you can't guard those three players, it literally does not matter what the rest of the roster does. It doesn't matter who's playing. It doesn't matter what jerseys you're wearing. It doesn't matter what arena you're in. If you don't defend those three players, it is game over from the start. It's a great take, and and that's what the Blazers they have really uh, they've really centered their entire selves around that. Uh, this is going to be a, a very fascinating game because uh, the Nuggets they added Aaron Gordon in the offseason to combat some of the bigger wings, and in this particular draw, in in what we are now seeing as as a potential uh, matchup, they are not going to face the Mavericks or the Clippers. Uh, so in, in all likelihood, unless they make the Western Conference Finals. And we don't know whether the Lakers are even going to be on their side either. So Aaron Gordon will be added to Denver's roster. Then Denver has upsized. They've removed Gary Harris and RJ Hampton from the mix. And they're instead going to have Aaron Gordon as a bigger player to match up with some of these smaller uh, Blazers guards. So kind of doesn't work out in Denver's favor. And that's sort of, un- it's unfortunate. I would have rather played the the Mavericks for that reason, especially given Denver's current injury situation. Uh, who do you trust right now? If you have to rank the Nuggets guards, uh, all of the guards on the roster. So we've got Monte Morris, Will Barton, PJ Dozier, Faku Campazo, Austin Rivers, Shaq Harrison, Marcus Howard. Uh, Jamal Murray is obviously out. Like we're not going to mention that. Okay. Uh, so of those seven guys, who are you going to rank as as the guys that you trust the most in this series? The guy Monte Morris is number one. Okay. I just I know what I'm going to get from him every single night. It's he's never going to be the best guy on the floor. He's never going to be the worst guy on the floor. He's going to take care of the ball. He's a good shooter. He can set up teammates he can run the offense efficiently his defense is fine it's not great it's not good but it's fine monte morris is one strictly from a high floor perspective i'm a big fan of high floor things that's why i like that's why i'm a big fan of Nikola Jokic. he's such a consistent player i know what i'm going to get from him on a nightly basis sure number two will barton okay and this one the opposite of Monte Morris. I don't know what I'm going to get from Will Barton, but when Will Barton has a on game, the he is a legitimate third star. His ability to his ability to shoot when he's hot, he is just he is a white hot player. When he locks in on defense, which doesn't happen all the time, but when he locks in on defense, he can give you really really good defensive play. And if he's healthy, that that makes Denver's life or Denver's life so much easier. If if even just Will Barton's in the uh, in the lineup, it makes life so much easier for them. So it really does. Team. Like like I I I tend to think that Nuggets fans they have they have missed Will Barton for a while now, and it's unfortunate that they have done so because I I think people are starting to realize that hey Will Barton having somebody who can create but also can switch a little bit that's going to be really important in a series that's going up against the Blazers where you have three guards who are going to be very, very impactful and they're going to be on the floor a lot. Yeah. So it's like, I, and I have begrudgingly viewed Will Barton a lot this year. I've seen him a lot and I've been not the biggest Will Barton fan, but at the same time, if I'm looking at the current guards on the roster, I acknowledge that he is the one that I would rank to behind Monte Morris, just because his ceiling is so high when he's hitting it. Number three, 
PJ Dozier. Um, I, I really like PJ's play. He has stepped it up a lot this year. And if it weren't for this latest injury, he would be starting over probably, I'd say probably over Austin rivers. And I really like what he brings to the team. He's a solid defender. He is a great slasher, which is huge because while he may not be a, a great shooter, that's okay. I can live with that because he is good at slashing and getting to the rim and having him for this series would be super great. And I'm hoping that he's able to get back by the time this series starts. So now we have what Marcus Howard, Shaq Harrison, and Facundo Capazza left. Uh, also oh, and Austin, Austin Rivers. Rivers. Okay. Yeah. So Marcus Howard's last. I'm just going to get that out of the way. Uh, next is Austin Rivers. And I know that there's a lot of people out here who are very big Facundo Capazzo fans. I'm not one of them. I'm just being open and honest with you guys. I'll get to him in a minute. Austin Rivers is next. Spicy take. Yeah, I know. And that's okay. Bring the hate to me. Add G Birch for an NFL on Twitter. Doesn't bother me. <laughs> Austin Rivers is next after PJ Dozier. Similar to Monte Morris. And you and I talked about this a little while earlier. I know what I'm going to get from him. He is going to, Austin Rivers is going to give me about 10 points a night. He's going to play fine defense. He's a fine offense creator, fine offense creator. He's a little shot happy for me. There's a few times where I'm like, hey, let's go ahead and not do that. Let's go ahead and slow it down. Let's take a, let's take a minute. But he's fine. I was so. I was a little bit blown away that he airballed two layups tonight. That was yeah. Uh, well, again, that was, take that everything was tonight with a every, take everything <laughs> tonight with a grain of salt. It's it's fine. Things happen. We all we all have bad moments. I chucked a backwards pass forty feet when I thought the clock was expiring when I was in like sixth grade, but the clock had five seconds left. People told me to shoot and I shot. It was bad. Anyway, Facundo Capazzo is next. So I've gone Morris, Barton, Dozier, Rivers. And then now I have Composo here and then Shaq Harrison and um, finally Mark Soward. And I, and I still am not convinced that I want to put Faku over Shaq Harrison, but wow. Faku, so there, and I say that and I know, and I get that same reaction. I, and people are like, what, you just don't like Faku. He's this or that. I got into an argument with a guy who told me the only reason Faku was struggling was because the court was bigger. Come on. I get it. I, I, I get it. I get that the court is bigger. It's different. Come on. At the end of the day, these guys are all professionals. Faku's 30 years old. It's not, this isn't a guy who has never played basketball before. He's been a professional for, for how long, how long has he been a professional? Probably since he was like 15, 15. So he's yeah, been playing professional basketball for 15 years. So he's not a rookie. He's a 15 year. He's a 15 year pro who just happens to be a rookie in the NBA. I think that he's a fun player. I love his defense. Don't get me wrong. I like, I love his willingness to get in the Jersey of any and every player that he matches up with. So I like that aspect of him. And in this series, I think that that'll be really important against um, Lillard and McCollum. But at the end of the day, there's this big glaring issue that Faku's 5'10". He's not large. He his off his his ability to run the offense at times looks really good and then there's other times where he just gets way too out of control and he tries to do way too many things and i and i can't and it bothers me watching him handle the ball when i see other guys on the floor like porter jokic um even even like some of the power forwards like even gordon i like i prefer gordon to at least have the ball in his hands because it's a little like even if he's not dribbling with it he's just not doing too much faku just at times tries to do way too much and I think he just needs to dial it back. But I think with him being 5'10", Lillard and McCollum are not small guards. Like Lillard's only six foot, but he plays bigger than that. And I think that the size could really get him exposed here. He's dense at 195. Like he weighs more than Monte Morris and Will Barton yeah. both. So he's really dense, but I just, I think that he's going to, like his size is a problem and just some of the, and he's also not a very consistent shooter. I know none of the other, a lot of the other guys I've listed so far aren't like PJ Dozier. I know isn't Shaq Harrison definitely isn't, but at the same time, Faku takes a lot of shots and he doesn't always make a lot of shots next Shaq Harrison. I, I love his defense. He may not be able to give me anything else when he's on the floor. That's okay. His defense is great. And he can, and he can cut and play it and he's athletic and he can do some transition stuff. That's great. Marcus Howard. The guy's going to chuck up shots. So I guess if they get into a game where they're just like, we need shooters, just go put Marcus out there. But otherwise, yeah, Marcus Howard, if he, if he plays a minute in this series, it'll be in a blowout. If he plays any other minutes, that means we got injuries and that's not good. 
That that's the one thing that that with Marcus, I I think you could at least sell yourself on him being out there over Shaq Harrison, because Marcus has clearly shown the ability and the willingness to take a bunch of shots and and just and can get them in bunches. So okay, okay, let's 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 say one quick thing. He can take shots. He has the ability to take shots. That's hundred percent. Let's not say that he's got the ability to like make a lot of shots though. Like he's, his, he's made the, he's made them lately. Is is what we'll say. Okay. Uh, yeah, but he, he also made them in a game. He also made them in a. He's shooting twenty four percent from three point range this year. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Let's it's, take it's it easy a, on the Marcus Howard shot shot maker label. It's it's definitely a high volume issue. So he's he's definitely a hit or miss. Uh, mostly miss. But if, if you're if you're going, let's just say if you're going to Marcus Howard, then you're probably in trouble uh, because look, look, he's seventh on the depth chart for a reason. So I I mostly agree with your list. I would probably switch uh, Faku and Austin Rivers, but I, I can see the argument for wanting to play Austin in there, too. Like uh, my only question is whether Austin is actually going to make a difference size wise against those guys and whether he's going to make a difference scoring wise against those guys. But it, it's it's at least a decent argument. So let's uh, let's just put them on the same tier. That that I think you could definitely say. Yeah, that that's fair. And I like I said, I understand that I'm lower on Faku than a lot of people are. I am very well aware of that I've never tried to argue that when like I know you can attest in the group chats with, that we have at the Den- with Denver Stiffs. I'm lower sure. on Faku than the majority of people. I am very well aware of that I don't try and hide it. I don't try and lie that I oh I'm a really big Faku fan. I'm not. I I haven't been. I I have been open about that all year long. I I just said with, with Austin Rivers, I think he is a better scorer. Uh, I think that he is like I don't necessarily think he's a great scorer, but I just think he's better. I think that he's at least I think he's a little better at creating his own shot, and I think that his size also helps a lot. Like he's yeah, he doesn't necessarily weigh a lot. He's only where where is he? He's only two hundred. He's two hundred pounds. He's six four. He's yeah. six four two hundred pounds. So he's only five more pounds than Faku is, but he's also got length. And so that's, so that's kind of where it comes down to, I got length and I think he's a better scorer just because I think that he's better at getting his shot up and off versus Faku is getting, it's easier to block a shot. I mean, when you're five ten, that's just, that's just how life goes. Okay. I think we are, we are mostly good on the sections that I want to cover tonight. Uh, just because we, we've got plenty of time to talk about it. We, we don't know whether some of these guards are going to come back, so it may be overkill at this point to, to go too much in depth. But what I will say is I, I want you to give me uh, one take on MPJ at this point, and, and he's a very interesting piece here, and we don't know what he's going to do. What is your expectation for MPJ heading into this playoffs? He's going to continue to be a budding superstar. I think that the way that we saw Jamal Murray really enter that, like, let's call it stardom last year. I don't think Mm -hmm. he quite hit superstardom. He had some superstar moments, but he hit stardom last year. Sure. I think Porter's going to continue to do that. I think that everyone that says these last two games, oh, he's been a little off. He's not been as aggressive, whatever. It's he, these games don't matter. These games, these last couple of games didn't matter. The Detroit win, who cares? I think that I could have scrounged up a bunch of JV guys that could have beaten that Detroit team because Detroit is one bad, two super injured. Porter's not going to be super aggressive there. Michael Porter Jr. is has been everything that you want could want and more, and he's he's only getting better. And I so let's who do do we think Robert Covington guards him in the series? I think it's a good it's a very good chance that Robert Covington's the guy then I think Michael Porter Jr. could average, I think he could average 25 points a game in the series. I know yeah. that people are going to, I'm saying that against Robert Covington, who has got this history as great 3 and D guy, and he was the premier trade ship for a few different teams. Because let's see, where's he been? Houston, Portland now, um, Philly, Minnesota, obviously, yeah. where is, is where he started. And he was, the, he was the, the key trade piece that everybody wanted to have. Sure. Porter has he at 6'10, 218, he's taller. He's super athletic. He like I love his ability to rebound, and I think that he can rebound better than Covington ha- can. And he's definitely got more athleticism. So in the event that like Porter's not super great off the dribble, but I think he can I think he can get around Covington. And I definitely think he can get up jump shots over him. I think that Porter has the potential to be the third best player in this series without really doing anything super spectacular or out of the normal because 
Jokic, Jokic and Lillard are going to battle for the top player in the series. I'm not going to crown either one of them. Yes, Jokic has been the MVP this year, but Lillard is a wonderful player in his own right. So and he definitely has for the top guy. Lillard definitely has the better matchup in this series than Jokic does. Is what we'll say. Yeah. So those those two are going to battle it out for one A and one B, and then. Porter Jr. is going to battle with McCollum and whoever else to be the next best player. And I think that he's going to do that very easily because just you can see the potential there. Like this, his ability to not to knock down shots is just insanely easy. This he like with his high release point, he is knocking down shots the way that Steph does. Like just Steph makes shots look effortless. Porter rises up with three, three guys around him. And he, if you looked at him, he would have no clue that there's three guys guarding him because he gets such a clean look on the basket because of his height. And he, his, if he can just tighten up his handle a little bit, there is a very scary trio in Denver between Jokic Porter and then Jamal Murray, when he returns from his torn ACL, because he is just, you've seen it for the last two years. Now we've seen him just gradually getting it and putting it together. And he put it together a lot in the last couple of months with Murray out. And I think that it's only going to continue in these playoffs. I'm not, like Norman Powell is a, like I said, he's a guard. You have Covington, who I think is not quite as athletic as he used to be. And I think Porter can take advantage of that. So I think Porter can easily have a outstanding series. My expectations are that he continues to be the star that he has been since the, uh, since Murray has gone out. I think he's probably going to go through some ups and downs. They're going to do some good things. The Blazers will in trying to get him off of his spots and trying to prevent him from getting certain shots. And and Porter's going to sometimes rise over those contests anyway, and, and still still hit some incredible shots. So we're going to see. I I, I don't want to I don't want to put too much thought into this right now because I think that, that we're we're going to have plenty of time to talk about it, plenty of time to to change opinions. I'm also not going to ask you to make a series prediction yet. A uh, quick note on Michael Porter Jr. that from StatMuse an hour ago. Michael Porter Jr. just put up the second most efficient 19 plus points per game season in the history of the NBA. He shot 64.6%. That was his effective field goal percentage. The only better one. Go ahead and give me a guess who you think the player was. Uh, well, I did happen to see the tweet. So I so I'm Will gonna, Chamberlain, I'm gonna... <laughs> who shot 68.3%. That was, that's how good Porter's been this year. He's been the second most efficient scorer that we've ever seen. He's been that better than Steph better than Ray Reggie Miller, better than Jordan, better than any other player in the history of the NBA is what Michael Porter Jr. just did. So for like, so that's why I have all the confidence in the world in this kid. And he, cause he, if he is a kid, the guy will be, he'll, he's not even 23. He'll be, he'll be 23 at the end of June. And he's just so, so incredible. And I'm just so glad that 13 other teams were dumb enough to uh, pass on him. It's going to be really interesting to see what he does. I look forward to breaking it all down and breaking it down with you, sir. It's been great to have you uh, over the course of this year and and last year as well. You've you've made so much progress over this time as a as a as a Nuggets beat writer and lead writing personality. So, thank you so much for all that you do. And and Nuggets fans, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Pickaxe and Roll. Uh, make sure to go follow Gage at G Bridgeford NFL. Uh, make sure to go hassle him about that as much as I did on this podcast. It'll be great. Uh, we, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to cover it all on Denver Stiffs. So make sure to check that out. Uh, Gage, any parting thoughts before we get out of here? Uh, no, just glad to be here. And yeah, like Ryan said, come harass me on Twitter at G Bridgeford NFL. I respond to literally every single dm that like the only dms i've never responded to were just like odd obvious spam stuff but i respond to every dm i am willing to talk about any sport any topic as long as you give me like five minutes notice to research the topic a little bit i'm willing to talk about it i was glad to be here on the pickaxe and roll i was supposed to be here a week ago and um your fearless leader ryan here kind of forgot kind of spaced it he realized it he realized <laughs> it two days later after i after i messaged, hey you gave me a hard time i'm gonna give it back here but yeah, no, I'm just glad to be here um, this time and got to see the end of the season and really get to wrap it up and preview it here because this is a uh, this is going to be an interesting playoffs. Obviously, last year with the bubble was interesting, and we're going to have our second NBA champion in a calendar year here in a couple or here in a month and a half or a couple months. So it's going to be a fun run here over the next however many days it takes to uh, the NBA to wrap up. 
oh, we get to celebrate uh, MVP Nikola Jokic. So that'll be that'll be pretty great as well. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Uh, we have had a lot of fun with you. Uh, we are going to have several podcasts over the course of this week, over the course of this next few weeks. Make sure to keep tuning in here. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Five stars on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. We'll talk to you guys very soon. Thank you.